Chapter Thirteen: The Victorious Attitude by Orson Sweat Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How to make the brain work for us during sleep? Would you not think yourself fortunate to have a secretary of great ability and worth, absolutely subject day and night to your will, and so susceptible to instructions that even your slightest mental suggestion would be faithfully carried out? If you had such a secretary and knew that in spite of his great ability he would be able to do what you suggested only in proportion to your belief in his power to do so would you not be careful to entertain no doubts of his ability to carry out your wishes or suggestions now just substitute for this personal secretary your subconscious self that part of you which is below the threshold of your consciousness and try to realize that this self is actually the sort of secretary i have endeavored to describe capable of carrying out all your desires of executing all your purposes of realizing your ambitions to the exact extent of your belief in its powers and you will get some idea of what it can accomplish for you this secretary is closer to you than your breath nearer than your heartbeat a faithful servant walking by your side all through life to execute your faintest wish to carry out your desires to help you to achieve your aims every bit of help of encouragement of support you give to this other self will add the magnificence the splendor of your destiny on the other hand all negative vicious thoughts all selfishness greed and envy all doubts and fears all the discouraging destructive thoughts you entertain will impair and weaken your secretary or servant in exact proportion to their intensity and persistency in fact it rests with yourself whether your secretary shall be your greatest help a heavenly friend and assistant or your greatest hindrance your worst enemy it doesn't matter what we call them subconscious and conscious self or subjective and objective mind we are all conscious that these are two forces constantly at work in us one commands and the other obeys we know that one of these the subjective mind does not originate its acts but gets its instruction from the objective mind which contains the will-power experience shows us that the subjective or subconscious mind which i have called a personal secretary is a servant which obeys our will carries out our wishes and registers in the brain a faithful record not only of every thought word and act of ours but of everything we see and everything we hear others say coleridge tells of a remarkable instance of the truth of this a young german servant girl was taken ill with fever and in her delirium she recited correctly long passages from famous authors in latin greek and hebrew scholars were called in to hear this uneducated girl speaking fluently tongues of which she had no knowledge in her conscious moments and to tell if they could what it meant they were much puzzled and could make nothing of it but later the miracle was explained years before it seems the girl had lived in a minister's family and was accustomed to hear the master recite the classics aloud she had listened attentively and her subconscious mind had faithfully recorded every word in her brain and reproduced what it had heard when the objective mind was quiescent numerous instances might be cited to show that our subconscious mind is the record storehouse of all that has ever happened to us every thought every experience whatever passes before the eye or that we see or hear or feel is registered accurately in our brain by our subconscious mind now if this other self personal secretary subconscious mind or whatever we choose to call it has such enormous power 
why can it not be trained to work for us when we are asleep as well as when we are awake have you ever thought of the possibilities of spiritual and mental development during sleep has it ever occurred to you that while the process of repair and upbuilding are proceeding normally in the body the mind also may be expanding the soul as well as the body may be growing when corporal and voluntary things are quiescent the lord operates said swedenborg the great swedish philosopher was a firm believer in the activity of the other self during sleep he claimed that his spiritual vision was opened in the unconscious hours of the night the bible teems with illustrations of the activity of the subconscious mind or self during sleep warnings are given work is commanded to be done visions are seen plans are outlined angels are conversed with courses of conduct advised and every suggestion made to the soul in the dream state is literally carried out in the waking hours theosophists believe that during sleep the soul or spirit acts independently of the body that it actually leaves the body and goes out into the night to perform tasks appointed by the creator as a matter of fact few people realize what an immense amount of work is carried on automatically in the body under the direction of the subconscious mind if the entire brain and nervous system were to go to sleep at night all of the bodily functions would stop the heart would cease to beat the stomach the liver the kidneys and other glands would no longer act the various digestive processes would cease to operate all the physical organs would cease working and we should stop breathing one of the deepest mysteries of nature's processes is that of putting a part of the brain and nervous system and most of the mental faculties which were in use during the day under the sweet ether of sleep while she repairs and rejuvenates every cell and every tissue but at the same time keeping in the most active condition a great many of the bodily processes and even certain of the mental and creative faculties these are awake and alert all the time while the sleeper is in a state of unconsciousness most of us probably have had the experience of dropping to sleep at night discouraged because we could not solve some vexing problem to our satisfaction it may have been one in mathematics during our school days or later on a weightier one in business or professional life and behold in the morning without any conscious effort on our part the problem was solved all its intricacies were unraveled and what had so puzzled us the night before was perfectly clear when we woke up in the morning our conscious objective self did not enter the mysterious laboratory where the miracle was wrought we do not know how it was wrought we only know it was done somehow without our knowledge while we slept some of our greatest inventions and discoveries have been worked out by the subconscious mind during sleep many an inventor who went to sleep with a puzzled brain discouraged and disheartened because he could not make the connecting link between his theory and its practical application awoke in the morning with his problem solved mathematicians and astronomers have had marvelous results worked out while they slept answers to questions which had puzzled them beyond measure during their waking hours writers poets painters musicians have all received inspiration for their work while the body slumbered many people attempt to explain these things on a purely physical basis they attribute the apparent phenomenon to the mere fact that the brain has been refreshed and renewed during the night and that consequently we can think better and more clearly in the morning that is true so far as it goes but there is something more something beyond this 
we know that ideas are suggested and problems actually worked out along lines which did not occur to the waking mind most of us have had experiences of some kind or another which show that there is some great principle some intelligent power back of the flesh but not of it which is continually active in our lives helping us to solve our problems one of the most interesting instances of this kind is given in the biography of the great scientist professor louis agassiz by his widow he professor agassiz the writer says had been for two weeks striving to decipher the somewhat obscure impression of a fossil fish on the stone slab in which it was preserved weary and perplexed he put his work aside at last and tried to dismiss it from his mind shortly after he waked one night persuaded that while asleep he had seen this fish with all the missing features perfectly restored but when he tried to hold and make fast the image it escaped him nevertheless he went early to the jardin de plantes thinking that on looking anew at the impression he should see something which would put him on the track of his vision in vain the blurred record was as blank as ever the next night he saw the fish again but with no more satisfactory result when he awoke it disappeared from his memory as before hoping that the same experience might be repeated on the third night he placed a pencil and paper beside his bed before going to sleep accordingly towards morning the fish reappeared in his dream confusedly at first but at last with such distinctness that he had no longer any doubt as to its zoological characters still half dreaming in perfect darkness he traced these characters on the sheet of paper at the bedside in the morning he was surprised to see in his nocturnal sketch features which he thought it impossible the fossil itself should reveal he hastened to the jardin de plantes and with his drawing as a guide succeeded in chiseling away the surface of the stone under which portions of the fish proved to be hidden when wholly exposed it corresponded with his dream and his drawing and he succeeded in classifying it with ease we are all familiar with examples of the marvelous feats performed by somnambulists they will get up and rest while fast asleep lock and unlock doors go out and walk and ride in the most dangerous places where they would not attempt to go when awake many have been known to walk with sure feet along the extreme edges of roofs of houses on the banks of rivers or close to the edge of precipices where one false step would participate them to death they will speak write act and move as if entirely conscious of what they are doing a somnambulist will answer questions put to him while asleep and carry on a conversation rationally in this respect the state of the sleepwalker is similar to that of a person in a hypnotic trance he can be acted on from without and remain wholly unconscious surgical operations have been performed upon a hypnotized person without the use of anesthetics and there is no doubt that this also would be possible during profound sleep the subjective mind is much more susceptible to suggestion when the objective mind is unconscious there is no resistance on account of prejudice or external influences that we are on the eve of marvelous possibilities of treating disease during sleep there is not the slightest doubt the same is true of habit forming mind changing of mind improving of strengthening deficient faculties of eradicating peculiarities and idiosyncrasies of neutralizing injurious hereditary tendencies of increasing ability 
the possibilities of changing the disposition and of mind-building during sleep are only beginning to be realized the power of the subjective mind over the body is well illustrated by the fact that thoughts aroused in a hypnotized person can very materially shift the circulation of the blood they can send it at will to any part of the body the hypnotist can make his subject blush or turn pale express in his face fierce anger or appealing love he can at will produce anesthesia in any part of the body so that a needle or knife may be inserted in the flesh without causing the slightest pain he can also impress the hypnotized person's mind with the belief that the water he drinks is whiskey that he will actually exhibit all the appearance of drunkenness he can make him believe that the spoonful of water he takes is full of poison so that he will immediately develop the symptoms of poisoning the subjective mind is not only capable of carrying out orders but as has already been shown every impression made on it is indelible how often we say when we cannot recall a well-known name or the details of some important event or experience well i cannot think of that now but it will come to me i shall think of it later and how often have the forgotten details flashed into our mind when the occasion has passed and we were thinking of something else again and again we have puzzled our brains at night trying to think of some particular thing which has gone out of our memory only to find it waiting for us in the morning we are beginning to realize that all of our experiences during the day all of our thoughts emotions and mental attitudes the multitude of little things which seem to make but a feeling impression are not in reality lost every day leaves its photographic records on the brain and these records are never erased or destroyed they simply drop into the unconscious mind and are ever on call they may not come at once in response to our summons but they are still there and are often many years after they have dropped into the subconscious mind reproduced with their original vividness i heard recently of a prominent banker who lost a very important key the only one to the bank treasures he claimed that it had not been lost in the ordinary way but stolen suspicion at once attached to the employees a prominent detective was placed in the bank and after watching and questioning everyone on the staff he became convinced that none but the banker himself knew anything about the key every detective is necessarily something of a mind reader and this one believing firmly in his own theory suggested a simple plan for recovering the key he told the banker to quit suspecting the employees and worrying about burglars getting the bank's treasures to relax his overwrought mind and go to sleep with the belief that he himself had put the key away somewhere and that it would be found in the morning if you do this he said i believe the mystery will be solved the banker to the best of his ability did as the detective suggested and on getting up the following morning he was instinctively led to a certain secret place and behold there was the key he was not conscious that he had put it there but after finding it he had a faint recollection of previously going to this place the banker's objective or conscious mind was probably busy with something else when he put the key away only his subconscious self had any knowledge of what he was doing then when he missed the key his fears his worry his anxiety his suspicions and generally wrought up mental attitude made it impossible for his subjective mind to reveal the secret to him but after his mind had become poised and he was again in tune with his subjective intelligence the information was passed along 
Dr. Hack a distinguished English authority on the subject. The memory freed from distraction, as it sometimes is, he says, is so vivid as to enable the sleeper to recall events which happened years before, and which had been entirely forgotten. Now, as we have seen, the subconscious mind can perform real work, real service for us. Why should we not use it, especially during sleep? Why should we not avail ourselves of this enormous creative force to strengthen all our powers and possibilities, to peace out, virtually to lengthen our time, our lives? Think of what it would mean to us in a lifetime if we could keep these sleepless creative functions always in superb condition, so that they would go on during the night working out our problems, unraveling our difficulties, carrying forward our plans, while we sleep. We have sufficient proof already to show that they do actual, constructive work. But the testimony of Dr. Took on this point is of interest, that the exercise of thought, and this on a high level, is consistent with sleep can hardly be doubted, he writes. Arguments are employed in debate which are not always illogical. We dreamed one night subsequent to a lively conversation with a friend on spiritualism that we instituted a number of test experiments in reference to it. The nature of these tests was retained vividly in the memory after awakening. They were by no means wanting in ingenuity and proved that the mental operations were in good form. It is now established beyond a doubt that certain parts of the brain continue active during the night when the rest of it is under the anesthetic of sleep. But we have hardly begun to realize what a tremendous ally this sleepless creative part of the brain can be in our mental development. It is well known that most of the growth of the child, of its skeleton, muscles, nerves, and all of the twelve different kinds of tissues in the body, takes place during sleep that there is comparatively little during the activities of the day. It is not so well understood that our minds also grow during the night, that they develop along the lines of the ideals, thoughts, and emotions with which we feed them before retiring. All the analogies go to prove that the mind is always awake, says M. Chauffre. The mind during sleep is not in a special mood or state, but goes on and develops itself absolutely as in the waking hours. As a matter of fact, we never awake just the same being as when we went to sleep. We are either better or worse. We changed while we slept. While our senses are wrapped in slumber, the subjective mind is busily at work. It is either building up or tearing down. It is my firm belief that by an intelligent, systematic direction of this sleepless faculty of the brain, we can actually make it create for us along the line of our desires. As it is, most people, by not putting the mind in proper condition before going to sleep, not only do not intelligently use this marvelous creative agency, but they destroy all possibility of beneficial results from its action. It is as necessary to prepare the mind for sleep as it is to prepare the body. The following chapter offers some suggestions on this point. End of chapter 13